Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time I put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 35 of the Corona Diaries. And it's the last chapter for 2020. Phew. We've, we've got to the end. At 35? I know. Oh, that's, that's older than my car. <laughs> Just. I, I did. We did think we'd get this far, didn't we? I know I keep asking this question. Um, no, I, well, I don't know. I'm not a person who ever kind of thinks about those things. People often say, did you think when you joined Marillion you'd be, you'd still be the singer after all this time? And my gut reaction is to go, no. But um, the truth is, I, you know, I don't think of those things. And we, you know, and then you get those media things that go, do you realise it's 20 years today since the release of Blah? Or do you realise mm. you've now been in the band for exactly this amount of time? Not nobody in the band ever notices those things, or or or, or really has them on their radar at all. So no. we're not the kind of band who um, celebrates anniversaries, or, or you know, the thirtieth anniversary tour. I mean, we might. I mean, somebody else might call it that, but it'd be the first we'd heard of it. Well, we've made we've made it to thirty-five TCDs. Yes, I digressed a bit there, didn't I? Yeah, no, but that's 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 fine. But we made it to thirty-five t- TCDs, which I, 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 yeah, I'm quite proud of. No, that's uh, remarkable, and, and and a nice place to to stop for the you know for for the year because we as, and we remind you early on, remind you we are having a week off next week. There will not be one um, if you're expecting one just just around about the twenty seventh, twenty eighth, whatever it is of December. There won't be one. We're having a week off, so this is. Mr H will be behind the sofa with a couple of old ladies. Indeed, indeed. And unable to talk. The first time you said that, I thought it was just tongue-in-cheek, but you've now said it to me on and off air five times. No, I think it's a nailed uncertainty. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have to go out for the old ladies or do they they come to you? I'm going to have them round. Are you? Yeah. Right. (laughs) But don't, (laughs) don't, don't, Hancock, for fuck's sake. (laughs) <laughs> oh yes, the most the, the, the most <laughs> London's most favourite man this morning. The country's in tears. I, I I saw a fantastic tweet about Matt Hancock with they had him sort of stood by a harbour in a in a you know in in some kind of chunky knitwear and they were sort of branding him as a detective and it was quite funny. I'll send it to you. But there we are. Anyway, have you seen that um, picture of him going around as that the uh, tank commander from Hello Hello? The gay one. No. Have you not seen that? But he's actually a ringer for him. I'll send it to you. Okay. <laughs> so um, we're getting very close. In fact, actually, do you know what? By the time people hear this, live stream will have been and gone. 
Blimey, what a relief that was. Uh, yes, how, how fantastic was that? That's what I mean, um, how fantastic was that? Um, but some, somewhere in between now and now and Saturday, you've got to do, what did you say, 17 minutes rehearsal you were going for? I've, I've got to be realistic. I think, I think that's all I've got this week. Right. <laughs> and that's if right. I don't sleep. <laughs> so, so that's all. That's all. We're getting primed and ready. We're getting primed and ready. It's 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 currently ten to ten on Tuesday morning. So we're five days away. Five more sleeps. Yes, that's right, isn't it? Five more sleeps, and we'll be uh, and we'll be in Oxford live streaming. Um, but what what I thought would be quite nice today is the Christmas natural things become a thing over the last few years, hasn't it? How long have you been doing the Christmas naturals now? About a decade. Probably, if if somebody wrote it down, quite quite possibly. As I just said, I'm not very good with all of that, but um, yeah. it has turned into a thing. It started out, um, you know, as I've often said, I, I needed I needed a load of money quick, um, so it was either rob a post office, or do you know, or go go to go to debtor's prison, or. Um, I said to Lucy, I said, I've, I've got a, a shocking tax bill, end of January, I've got no money, have you got any ideas? And she said, what, you, you need to earn a lot of money quickly? I said, exactly. Uh, and she, <laughs> She's very smart, isn't she, Lucy? <laughs> she is. She's got a way she's, of cutting through this, hasn't she? She's, she's the, got the laser, the laser beam of solvency. Lucy Jordan. Right. So, um, did you scratch around racket for a few days, looking like a man who needed to make a bit of money quick? Looking, and she spotted it. Looking worried. Yeah, I think I did. I think I right. did. Trying to find things to sell. Um, <laughs> and um, she said, "Well, you could just do a solo show." And I said, "What do you mean?" She said, "Well, just you know, you and just do a solo show and have all the money. That'd do it." I said, oh, hmm. is there any alternative? And she said, no. And I said, all right, you better book it then. So um, she booked me some... <laughs> what did you think she'd say, cleaning cars? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought she might have an idea that involved oh, The less... studio needs a lick of paint. <laughs> what, what did you think? <laughs> that involved less terror. But, <laughs> but there wasn't one. So... Oh. Um, so I said, "Well, book, book book some shows then." So she booked some dates, and then I had to kind of think about what to do. And uh, so, how long between the idea was, and the first show? Not long at all, because I was desperate right. for the money. Um, right. <laughs> I think I realised I hadn't got any money in sort of November for the January tax bill. Uh, so I needed something. So I, I think that's how come, you know, the Christmas tradition began because it was it was preempting the January tax bill. Tax bill. Um, so it was all forced upon me, and uh, and then I where did I do the first one? Where on earth was it? I really can't remember. I did the Union Chapel, didn't I? That was lovely. Uh, that was a while back. Well, I can tell you where I, I saw I saw that first tour, and I can tell you where I saw you. Where was it? Um, I saw you in Sheffield. Oh, did I do? That's right. I did the uh, the lead mill, did I? Was it the lead mill? Uh, uh, could have been the lead mill. It could have been the university. It was one of the two. I'd have right. to check the ticket. And I did a funny little gig in Birmingham as well, in like a little theatre. 
Maybe that was the first lot. Anyway, I thought, well, I'll, you know, I sat down at the piano and sort of worked out the songs I felt I could play and that, that I thought might work. And, um, and then it all felt a bit calculated. And so I thought, well, I should, maybe I should just have like a framework and then just go and sit down and see where it goes. And people tended... That was it, that was it. I, I thought, well, let's not make it about me singing songs. Let's make it like, a, like an evening with. So I'll just show up and I'll go, here I am. I'll get a dialogue going with the crowd. And I'll say, you know, is there anything you've ever wanted, you know, to ask me if you'd met me? And... That's never really worked out as a plan because whenever I say to an audience, "Is there anything you want? You know, you want to ask me?" Somebody goes, "The party, oh. fantastic play." They don't ask me anything; they just g give me requests. Um, so I think, and I, I don't know why, but people don't don't really. I'd intended it as a sort of a Q and A, I suppose, or, or more of a dialogue than you ask me a question and I answer it. Let's have a chat. Tell me about your life. Um, but that never came together because, for whatever reason, people just don't feel they can. Maybe, maybe I've I'm so used to exposing myself in public. Uh, that I've just forgotten that other people aren't comfortable with that, <laughs> doing that themselves. Um, so people tend to be a bit more reticent about parting with, with, with that. Um, so that didn't quite come together, but, but what did come together was, was that people got into the habit of shouting requests out and, and yeah. the show started to go where the audience took it rather than according to any plan that I might have had beforehand. And so, and I found I was enjoying them. You know, they did raise enough money to pay the tax bill, which was great. But having, having done that, I, I, I'd kind of realised that this was a thing in its own right. It was another way of presenting my lyrics to mm. to people, you know, by singing them at the piano so that there wasn't much else to listen to except the words. Um, they they might have they might there might be another window on that lyric to than the window you had on it when you heard mm. it from the band. It was a way of creating something that was more intimate. And the first, it was it the first tour that was the birthday suit tour, or was that? No, I think that was later. The birth, that was just a birthday suit gig, I think, because I did was wear it, was a it, suit. That was right. at uh, Islington at the garage. Well, I saw, I saw that, and I because I saw you in the suit, and I, that wasn't that wasn't down south. It was I saw you up north. So you must have done more than one of that. Oh, did I really? You see, I've absolutely no idea. What's no idea. Been? No. No, I've definitely done stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that that's... So is the birthday suit just because it was around your birthday? Yeah. No other reason. The, and you uh, thought it was a, a good title? Yeah, because of, you know, the, as I just said, that, that, that tendency that I've 
goal. I've been saddled with, in a way, to be a very um, confessional sort of lyric writer. Uh, so there's a sense of constantly exposing oneself in one's art um, that is, on the one hand, a bit wearing, um, you know, and exhausting, but on the other hand, to do or say less than that almost feels insubstantial now at this mm. point in my career. So I've got this dilemma where I feel like I've got to give people the goods all the time. Um, I can't just write about cliched thing. It's got to be deeper than that. And I'm just... Because I've just grabbed the natural DVD off the shelf... And that was recorded in Sheffield, and I was at that. And now that was live at live at the Hubs, I think it says. The Hubs, I can't remember. Oh, that was the uni. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that now. I remember, I've just had a flashback to that room. And that says 2nd of March, 2006. Mm-hmm. So that's how far back we're going. But that was right at the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so um, what's that? Six, and, 20, 19 years. No. Yeah. No, no, what, what year is no, it No, 14 years. <laughs> Exactly. Is, is, <laughs> basic maths with Steve H. Um, yeah, because you did, yeah, that's right, you did a few words for the dead, spoken. Did I? Did I really? Yeah, you did a few words for the dead, spoken. It's quite, it's quite interesting to look down that list, actually. And then you did the, because the, you, you, those dates, you did the diary readings that I think we've already done, haven't we? Or have we done them? You did the, the Donald Campbell ones, didn't you? Did I do that? I have not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I must have. Well, I think I just went through the diaries and pulled out anything that was particularly, you know, un- unusual, uh, you know, meeting Neil and, and, and singing at Don's funeral and, mm. and um, the dreadful Cat Stevens uh, aeroplane journey and, mm. you know, anything that really, anything that really stuck out. Getting arrested in Poland. <laughs> <laughs> Being incarcerated in a Polish railway station. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of the songs then, because obviously, famously, Wichita Lime Man was your dad's favourite mm, song, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then I'm assuming the others were just, just things that have always touched you. Yeah, I thought it was an opportunity to to play songs that 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 meant something in my life. Mm. You know, either because they resonated with me or <laughs> yeah, I played the Glen Campbell track cuz it was it just reminded me of my dad. And I I'd lost him I think that year. I think it was 2006 was was or was it the year before? Again, I'm not very good to dates, but it was round about that time that I lost my dad. Mm. And it is such a beautiful song. It is uh, beautiful. I mean, it's impossible to, to beat the original because the original is so visual. Mm. But, you know, that and Galveston and Where's the Playground, Susie and all of those, they're just killers. Mm. I mean, in mm. my head, the, um, what was he called? Geezer who wrote all those. Um, oh, Blumenack, Night, Blumenack, Night, Night, Night. Jimmy Webb, Jimmy Webb. Jimmy Webb, yeah. Jimmy Webb. I've got a nice version of Jimmy Webb doing... Which is a lineman, actually. Very yes, nice version. I've of him, heard that. Uh, which is very, which is very good. But there we are. Um, so, and then that. So this runs for a little while, sporadically. 
mm. I guess. <clears throat> and there's a birthday suit one thrown in there. Um, that might have been at the Leadman in Sheffield, actually, where I saw you do that one. But I definitely saw you strut through in some kind of um, subtly, subtly it wasn't suit. Um, <laughs> I, see, I seem to remember seeing you coming from quite a distance. It was a white suit, wasn't it? I think. It, I think it was white. white yeah. Suit. I had a I, I had a, a brainwave during that. I think that was the birthday suit tour where I had the little orange dots on the keys, and I got everybody yeah. to do. They were for a once in a lifetime by the Talking Heads. Um, so I would invite people off and I'd just say, just hit that key with the orange dot on it, you know. So everybody was going... And I was going... And that was great until I started singing it and realised I couldn't sing it and go... At the same time, so that went to hell. So I haven't done it much since then. But it was it was good fun having people up to hit the little orange, orange dot. And for years after that, I had little orange stickers on me... On my piano, you know, when we used to, when I used to tour with Marillion, I looked out and still got all these orange, <laughs> orange blobs on all these, which was, which was nice. <laughs> Don't get any ideas about Saturday about about putting a few on and seeing if I want to pop up and just press a couple of keys for you because it isn't going to end well. <laughs> no, I did acid rain in Liverpool in a church in Liverpool many many years later, and that's got two little notes that go all the way through it. On the top end, and I haven't got enough hands to play all all the parts. And there's three parts that are crucial in Acid Rain, and I've only got two hands. Uh, so I invited a girl up to just play the the plings at the top, each you know once every bar, and she got it together quite well. <laughs> she went down better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so we we um, we we run in sporadically. Uh, and it's all it's all doing its thing, uh, which is which is nice, and they're going down very well, and they're they're morphing and changing slightly. And you did get into a vibe fairly early on that, like you say, um, you'd mix it up a bit, and certain certain covers became favourites, didn't they? So you know, a lot of a lot of the covers became things that people really liked to to hear because uh, I mean, I, I adore um, when you do uh, the day before you came, right? Um, which I believe is Phil Brown's. Favourite one is. as well. It is. He always nags me to do that. And I've been put off doing it a bit because I did it at the 100 Club on one of the on one of these natural occasions a few years back. And someone left a message on the <laughs> guest book after it saying, oh, I came to the 100 Club and I, re- I really enjoyed the show, but my evening was ruined by your appalling rendition of The Day Before You Came by Abba, and you've got to promise you'll never do it again. It was a sacrilege. And I thought, oh, shit. And so I've been a bit more reluctant to do it ever since. <laughs> I, I have to say, I'm, I might have to find that entry. I think that's a little harsh, because I'm sounding like some form of stalker now, but I was at that gig as well, and I thought it was fine. Well, I was oh, well, he, one member of the crowd... <laughs> I remember took the guy didn't like that. exception to it. And, and uh, yeah, so I've been a bit... And Phil Brown always going, are you going to do it then? Are you going to do it? You know, usually during the sound check or just before I go on and go, you're going to do it? And I go, no, I'm not going to do it. They don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> actually, it's made me wonder whether Phil's gonna Phil's gonna pop up fifteen minutes before showtime on Saturday and tell everybody, you know, not to, not to be watching the gig through their phones. <laughs> I could, get, I could the, it might be quite good fun to get him up to do the the, the preemptive don't you dare watch this with your phones yeah yeah i think you're watching this on an ipad or a phone <laughs> there'll be thousands of people sat at home with their hands at the sides yeah. not wanting to move going oh dear <laughs> now what am i gonna watch it on <laughs> don't open those crisps he'll hear you <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but some of those covers have really become have really become things that people like to, you know, like to like to hear because cloud busting always you know goes down very well and um, and and um, uh, what's the psychedelic first tune? Oh my goodness, I haven't played that much. Uh, the ghost and you, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's a beautiful song, and uh, I think I only did that. I haven't played that much. No. Um, oh, I might do that. You got me going there. I might do. That I, I like that. I like that. And you do. It's you do Hole of the Moon quite a lot, don't you? I have done, uh, but but less so of of late. Um, so, you know, like the, I, when when you play shows a lot, you do you settle on favourites, and then you feel like you wear them out. Well, yeah. You know, and you put them to one side. Um, which you know quite often weakens the show, <laughs> especially when you decide to replace them with a Rufus Wainwright song that you can't play. <laughs> so let let me just get myself into the Steve H mindset then. So I've got these things, and what I've noticed is they go down really, really well. They've got to go. So let's take them out. <laughs> That's exactly. It. <laughs> let's take them out. This stuff's got to go. That's got to go. They love right. It. Okay. And let's know where are we going to go next, folks. For you see, I, I feel with music, it's a bit like eating your greens. You know, you may not like them, but they're good for you. So, <laughs> I, you know, if, if, <laughs> so the songs that go down well, they kind of in my head they sort of turn into chips. And <laughs> uh, you know, I feel that this crowd, <laughs> this crowd's having too many chips. Chips. They need to suffer. They need to eat their greens. So I'll, <laughs> I'll play an obscure Rufus Wainwright song and make a mess of it. It'll be good for them. <laughs> oh dear. They'll so I'm right. Me, they'll thank me for it in the end. Right. So, <laughs> so just to recap, then, just to round up, you're looking out over the audience, thinking, right, you lot, look at you. You look like you've had too many chips. Exactly. I'm exactly. Not here. I'm not you... here to indulge your excesses. I'm I'm here to make you. <laughs> Hang on, sunshine. There's some, there's some, there's some kale coming your way. <laughs> exactly. Here comes the kale. Here comes the kale. <laughs> Chew on this. I know you're gonna have to spit <laughs> Chew it. Chew on this. You'll be glad you did. Oh dear. Well, there's this week's t-shirt. Here come. <laughs> here comes the kale on the front. And chew on this on the back. <laughs> You'll be glad you did. <laughs> Our good friend Ian Maidley has already taken something out from the Q&A this week and turned it into another email address. <laughs> so he seems to be really? creating a new email address once a week at the moment. Uh, and I, I'm not going to say out loud which one it is, but if you listen to the Q&A, it's fairly obvious. So he's already done that. So And there's another T-shirt coming. I like that. Here yeah. comes the kale. <laughs> do you want this on the back? Um, so, is it possible that maybe there'll, there'll be a few more chips 
I mean, it's Christmas time. We're allowed to indulge. Can we have a few more chips on, I on should. Saturday? I, I might even throw one of those McDonald's apple pies in. <laughs> <laughs> so what would that be in your song canon? Would that would that be the day before you came? There you are. It's That's the McDonald's apple pie. Be careful. It's going to burn your mouth. Exactly. Burn my bloody mouth. <laughs> Right, okay, so um, a lot of those covers have become things that people really like and, and have taken on a whole life of their own. And I mean, Famous Blue Raincoat's gone all the, pretty much all the way through, hasn't it? I find it very hard to, to, to withdraw Famous Blue Raincoat on, 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 on any kind of grounds at all because right. it's, it may be the best song ever written lyrically. I just think it's exquisite. Um, I mean, Len, Leonard Coronello... Him and Bob Dylan and Joni, you know, what are you going to do? Um, mm. Just so, so achingly beautiful and understated and there's so much to it that he doesn't even have to say. And there's so mm. much to that song that you've almost got to get to the end of the song before you fully realise what it's about mm. and what's happened. Um it's it's amazing. So I, I remember the first time I heard it. I heard it really, really, probably thirty years after it had been come out. You know, and Bob Harris played it one Saturday afternoon on the radio, and I was living in Charlton at the time, and I had to sit down. I had to sit mm. down on the floor. It actually weakened my knees. The, the the beauty of it and the artistry of it. Speaking as someone who who tries to write words myself, just laid me low and it's like my god what what a song what a beautiful beautiful thing so i then tried to to work out if i could if i could sing it and play it myself and then i worked out a a kind of elegant way to do it because i think leonard's version is all all sort of acoustic guitar and and you know odd french instruments um you know, so so I had to kind of redesign it so it would work on a piano, mm-hmm. and you know it it does work. That and Roads to Moscow by Al Stewart that uh, I've that 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 really works well as well. Mm. Um, I mean, anyone who would undertake to write a song that catalogues um, a, a Russian soldier's war from start to finish. You know, to catalogue the Second World War from the point of view of a Russian foot soldier, um, and managed to do that, you know, is just mind blowing. What a thing to take on! So kudos to Al Stewart for putting that together. And not that many people have heard that song. You know, they're, no. they're all walking around humming "Year of the Cat." Yeah, but that's one hell of a song. There's a taking you back slightly there. There is a thing about Cohen, um, and and I I'm I'm guilty of this, but I mean I I think the you know I bought a Leonard Cohen greatest hits, probably the original one that's got like eight or ten tracks on it, and you just are absolutely blown away when you hear it because it's just it's like how have I not interacted with this? Because I came to it late as well, and I, and I grew up having a knowledge of early Dylan, but I didn't have a knowledge of later Dylan. And then same thing, got a got a greatest hits Dylan album, and then you know you 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 flip over to side two where you start getting things, 
you know, like Joker Man and um, and Hurricane and things like that. And you think it's like, how have I not picked up on this? This is yeah. a, this is truly astonishing stuff. Well, it's funny. Cause it's the same in literature, really. There are these books and these writers who are universally acknowledged as geniuses and having written classics, and people don't read them. You know, yeah. they think, oh, that wouldn't be for me then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read some trash. Um, it's strange, isn't it? But I think we're all a bit like that. You know, you feel like it's, oh, it'll be too hard then. If, you know, if it's intellectual, it'll be too hard. But quite often the greatest writers are the easiest ones to read. You mm. know, I love Tolstoy, which sounds like a really pompous of myself thing to say, but he's actually really easy to read. He tells a good story. Mm. And Dickens as well. Yeah. You know, in a way, all those costume dramas that you used to get on Sunday afternoons has sort of tarnished Dickens a bit. Um, mm. You're better off reading the books. The books are fantastic. Mm. It's um, going back to, to Dylan, It's uh, because that, that would work really well. Um, and it's almost a shame that she has such an uber hit with it, uh, Adele, with To Make You Feel My Love, because the original's just beautiful. The, the Dylan version's by far superior to anything else I've ever heard. And that's just a simple piano right. uh, vocal thing. I mean, that would make a stunning song to cover, but, of course, there's the, the whole thing now that half the population would think, oh, he's covering Adele. And, yeah, it's a, that's just, it's a, you know, it's a it's a shame because that the original, you know, the Dylan version is, is astonishing. His vocal on it is just unbelievable. Um, mm. You know, really unbelievable. I've been um, doing... Uh like a Rolling Stone now and again as well, just because it's got good energy and because of that one line, you went to the finest, school's all right, Miss Lonely, but you know you only used to get juiced in it. Nobody mm. taught you how to live on the street, but now you know you're going to have to get used to it. And that's just one of the most stunning couplets anyone's ever written, you know, in terms of managing to roll that round and rhyme it. And make such a grand statement about, you know, book learning versus mm. the school of life and hard knocks. It's just incredible. Oh, now look. That's just a bit of seaside music I thought I'd throw into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You've got every parent's ringtone. I'm just sitting down the end of the pier doing this. Oh, and the, 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 he's now phoning me on the... This is my son. He's phoning me on the other right. one there. We'll let it I ring know. out. I know. <laughs> we'll let it go. Let it go. It's Niall. Um, he's having his car fixed and he wants, oh, a, right. he wants a lift. He wants a lift. Mm. It's, a, it's a dad call, isn't it? It's a dad call. Oh. Oh. Well, do you know what? That's not a bad time to segue out into diary anyway. So, um, you know, well, well done that for that, Niall. You've kept us on track. Yeah, good lad. Well, well, well done for that. So, um, so yeah. So, in fact, actually, there's one more question. When, where did the Christmas tree thing come from? Um, oh, I'm just, you know, just off the top of my head, really. I, I, I thought it'd be nice to play in churches. Um, and then it, it, it just sort of came to pass, came to pass that <laughs> uh, 
that I I ended up doing them at Christmas. And it seemed like it would be... I just woke up one morning and thought, what would be really cool would be to put a tree in and get the people to to dress the tree during the show and try and... Because these these H Natural shows have been about trying to break down the the invisible glass wall between the artist and the people. So to invite them up onto the stage to contribute to the show in some way could be really beautiful and could be really Christmassy. And so that's how the, the idea of dressing the tree came together. Um, and then I did that gig in that museum in Stockholm a few years back. And I forgot to mention to the Swedes about the baubles and bringing a bauble or anything. Um, and, you know, not, that hadn't been mentioned at all in the pre-gig publicity or anything. So... On the day I came and I did the show and I got halfway through the show and somebody in the front row was was holding up a bauble and shaking it at me as if to say, what about the baubles? And uh, and so I said, oh, oh, has anybody brought a bauble? And half the crowd went like this and picked baubles <laughs> up and shook them, which was really sweet. They'd sort of worked it all out for themselves. So then I said, oh, do do come up and stick some baubles on the tree. But they kind of, they missed the point somehow. So that, that half the crowd piled onto the stage uh, and asked me for autographs um, <laughs> while I'm in the middle of the show. And I was going, well, no, 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 no it, it's about, I put a bauble on the tree. And then... Um, as I've told before, I had this thing where I'd got this tick box running, putting out a little groove, and I played This is the 21st Century. So I'm playing This is the 21st Century, and this guy came up and just stood stood behind me and put his hands in my hair. Um, and he... <laughs> I reckon these Swedes are just wired up differently, you think to yourself. Um, so I sang half of the song with this guy with his hands in my hair. And my my kind of first reaction to it was to be a little bit, I don't know, affronted and pissed off. But then I saw, on the other hand, how cool is it that he feels he could do this? You know, I mean, you wouldn't dream of doing that to most artists, would you? No. Um... So uh, I was quite touched by it in a strange way, um, you know, up to the point that he slid the knife between my shoulder blade. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, dear. Never, never offer kale to the Swedes. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Seen too many of them Scandinavian noir dramas. Dramas trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Branner's going to be investigating your murder. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll yeah, we'll right. disappear. We'll we'll exit stage left into a, into a bit of diary. Um, Bits of the... Steve Hogarth found buried all over Sweden, yeah. down, down wells in an open land. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. What you got there? I've got a knee over here. What you got? I've got an elbow. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, he's not playing that piano no, anytime yeah. soon. It's what he would have wanted. <laughs> <laughs>
Nobody <laughs> would want it. <laughs> shoot him in soft light it'll be fine um anyway a bit of diary let's let's move on to a bit of diary yes i'm i'm back on the brave tour you're back on the brave tour i'm starting Uh, in leeds starting in leeds yeah arguably my favorite show of the tour in in my adult memory well we'll pick up on that a little bit after you've after you've had a after you've had a little ramble through yeah i noticed uh have, having a read through uh, earlier that there's a kind of weird typo in it where I'm talking about Simon Lake, a truck driver, and then it there's a comma and it goes straight to Claudia Schiffer and a German contortionist. But without, you know, it's I've obviously missed the bit out. And it just goes, I'm talking to Simon Lake, our truck driver, about blah, blah, blah. And Claudia Schiffer and a German contortionist, but I won't mention that. Hang on a minute. I wasn't talking to Claudia Schiffer. Do you know who we need to blame? That would have stuck in my mind. It would. <laughs> well, yes. Do you know who we need to blame? We need to blame Lucy for that. All right. Yeah. Because she was telling me when she listens to the podcast, she doesn't hasn't listened to them all, but she listened to quite a few. When she listens to the podcast, she fast-forwards through the diary. Right. Because um, she was telling me that she did some of the proofreading for it. Right. And she never wants to hear or see that bloody diary again. Oh, well, that's... that's did you say that with love? Um, <laughs> yes, but it was a forceful kind of love. <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't spend too much time on her life story either, to be honest. So, <laughs> I can't, wow. I can't, I can't, no, I don't mean that in a nasty way. I just mean... <laughs> when you know someone really well, you've heard enough about them already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to go reading about it, do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no, nothing, nothing intended, Lucy. But no, yeah, she she skips forward. That bit of bit of bit of Lucy based trivia there for you. She, she did proofread those diaries. Yeah, yeah, mainly to save me from myself and stop the band splitting up. And every now and again, she'd kind of go, "You sure you want to leave that in?" I go, "Oh right, yeah, that's probably a good point." You sure you want to leave that in? It wasn't Funny enough, I, I wasn't going to say that, but she did say that to me as well. <laughs> Staying out of court, I think, was part of it. Yeah. Yes, well, but clearly she's missed a bit. She missed that bit. It, you missed that bit. Right, OK, go on then. Let's, uh, let's, let's go to Leeds, shall we? Do you know, my, my long-term memory of Leeds is that I went there with my mum on the train when I was a kid, uh, Christmas shopping. And we ended up in a department store in Leeds. And it was the first time I ever saw or smelt Play-Doh. And uh, I remember it being the most fantastic smell. Uh, that I, re- I don't know if Play-Doh still smells like it used to. But does, it, it does. Really almondy. Yeah, it does. You know, like, like marzipan through yeah. an amplifier turned up to 11. Marzipan uh, through an amplifier. <laughs> And I remember what a great name for a band. <laughs> I remember thinking, whoa, that's the best thing ever. And I think I got a tub for Christmas. So it was, um, um, and which later filled my parents with regret because if you, but certainly back in those days, if you got Play-Doh in your carpet, <laughs> there was no getting it out and it, stayed, it left kind of fluorescent turquoise and pink stains in your carpet so um it was the only play that I, they only bought at me once 
It's the same with, uh, do you remember soda streams? Yes. Yeah. Get yeah, busy my, with the fizzy. Yeah. My brother spilt uh, a whole bottle of Witch's Brew soda stream into the into the floor carpet. That never came out. <laughs> Kids. Can imagine, you can imagine how that went down. <laughs> right, are we leaving that bit in? Or are we, are we? Well, we could. Well, we'll leave it in. Then. In which case, we'll go to the diary in Leeds then after that little bit of extra. All right. That, that you weren't expecting. Leeds. And why it Leeds. reminds me of Play-Doh. I'm the brave tool. Thursday, 24th of February. Leeds Town and Country Club. Arrived in Leeds overnight with the crew. Climbed out of the bus at 9.30 and had breakfast and catering. Chattered to Simon Lake, our truck driver, about Dave Ridgway, my old lighting man, who worked with the Europeans and how we live, and when his entire lighting rig wouldn't have filled a transit van. He now runs Neg Earth, one of the biggest lighting companies in the UK. I also chatted to Simon about the Peter Gabriel tour. David Rhodes, Peter's guitarist, likes to cut people's hair and open a small salon backstage. Claudia Schiffer was also mentioned, along with a German contortionist, but I'll have to remain vague on that one. I took a cab to the Leeds Hilton and got stuck in the lift, got out and got upset with the manager who upgraded me to a suite. Hooray! Had a shower and read Young Chang's Wild Swans for a while, before going out to buy Dubbin, Lip Salve, Vaseline and hair conditioner. Drank a double cappuccino and wrote this diary. Asked for directions to the venue, and a chap at the neighbouring table said he was coming to the show and showed me the way. Had a snooze in the crew bus before sound check, which went well. Still not sure about the monitors, though. Went back to the hotel and mum and dad arrived almost immediately, half an hour early. Abandoned plans for another snooze and went down to meet them. We left the Hilton at eight for the show, which, despite keyboard disc problems, was incredible. I can't remember a more enthusiastic audience. Chatted after the show and went back to the iffy Hilton. Monday, February 28th. Wolverhampton Civic Hall. Staggered out of bed around 11, just in time for Diz to put the lunch on. It was pork, and if we didn't have it today, it'll go off. Served up with asparagus at 12, we all had early lunch. Sophie was home from school. I reflected once again how lucky I am to have such a lovely family, despite my constant absences. Drove to Birmingham for an interview with BRMB Radio at two o'clock, then on through all the red lights and roadworks in the world to Wolverhampton. Sound check was difficult and it's not a great room empty. Had a bit of a snooze on the bus before the show. The show, and particularly the crowd, was incredible. But the general feeling in the band afterwards was that it was an even better audience than Leeds. I'm not so sure. But then up at these levels of mania, it's hard to be sure. After the show, backstage was a bit of a zoo. 
I had already made plans to drive home, so I got changed and tried to find my way out of the building without getting mobbed. In the end, Nick Belshaw, our tour manager, and I came out of the front door and circled the building to get to my car. They all spotted me getting in, and I declined autographs just this once. Drove home, post-gig wired, without crashing. Tuesday, 1st of March. Aylesbury Civic Hall. Had a bit of a lie-in. Diz had taken the car to the garage and was back home before I made it out of bed. I got up and attended to the bills and accounts. Dizzy's full of cold and says she probably won't come to the show tonight. She fancies Toulouse, so I booked her a flight on the air miles. John A and Nick B arrived around two and took me to Aylesbury. The show was slightly disappointing after the ecstatic reception last night. Mark K was having yet more keyboard help and sounds kept vanishing. The crowd seemed a bit dead by usual standards, which are dizzyingly high. We've become spoiled, I think. Monday, 14th of March, home, Bremen. Bremen, Aladdin. Up at eight o'clock. Took Sophie to school and spent the morning playing in and out of the garden with Nile. Picked Sophie up for lunch and helped make tuna sandwiches. Took her back to school at 1.30. She seems to be pretty well adjusted to my prolonged absences. It's not so easy to tell with Dizzy. She puts on a brave face, but it must be so hard bringing up the kids single-handedly for half the year. She makes it look easier than it is, her way of supporting me as well as the kids. Niall, of course, is too young to know, although he protested when he saw me packing my suitcase, shaking his head and saying no. There's a part of me that I hate at times like these. It's the part of me that wants to go. A car came at 2.15 and took me to Heathrow, chatted to the driver about Kashmir and arranged marriages, met up with the chaps at Terminal 1 and flew to Bremen. The hotel was opposite the Beck's Brewery. No problem. Nick B's luggage never left Heathrow. It was with the other 4,000 pieces which became misplaced during the day after yesterday's IRA mortar attacks. Showered up and went for a walk in the old town. Judging by the newness of the old town, Bremen must have been fairly well flattened in the war. The half dozen old buildings which were spared are truly stunning, heavily decorated Renaissance beauties. What a jewel this place must have been. Madness. The sound check was prolonged. Mark has once again redesigned the keyboard rig. It was good to be back with the crew. Even a week off feels like a long time and there's a sense of a return to old friends. The venue looks like it was designed by Walt Disney, a bit Wild West saloon meets Mickey Mouse. It was a long ride back to the hotel, so we stayed at the venue and I went to bed on the bus. Didn't actually sleep, but at least it stops me talking to people and wearing my voice out. Up at eight for the show, which went really well. The audience were noisy, too noisy during the Brave set, which was slightly off-putting, though they made up for it with warmth. The reaction towards the end was ecstatic. I had a touching moment watching a Japanese girl singing the whole of Easter. After that, I was in a great frame of mind. 
The crowd went bonkers and were still screaming for a third encore long after I was in the shower. Truly a terrific reaction and an idyllic start to this European leg of the tour. Tuesday, 15th of March, Bremen, day off. Woke up to Rothery's Mozart coming through the wall, so I got up and went off in search of a hairdresser's. I didn't have to look far, there was one next door. Spent an hour or so having my roots done and then another 15 minutes on the solarium. Seems to be all I've got for that. Wednesday, 16th of March. Berlin, Huxley's New World. Rose around 10 and went next door for another solarium session. Showered and packed, checking out of the friendly Westphalia Hotel at 11.30 for the flight to Berlin. Small prop plane, a bit shaky. Chatted to Nick B during the short flight. Drove through a hailstorm to the Metropole Hotel in the eastern sector and wrote this. Left for soundcheck at 4.30 and arrived to Polish fans wanting autograms. Eight Chinese and soundchecked. Ian and I entered the venue for soundcheck at the back of the hall. As we walked forward towards the stage, I heard the doors flap open and close again behind us and footsteps approaching. Without looking, I said to Ian, this is her. I have no idea how I knew. I know she was from Berlin. I've called her Sabina Schmidt. She tapped me on the shoulder, introduced herself and said she knew me in a former life and that it was terribly important that she speak to me. I told her I hadn't got time, but she was most insistent. In the end, I told her if she can get to the hotel in the morning by 8.30, I'll be having breakfast in the restaurant and she can tell me all she wants to say. She agreed she'd be there. Far out. Went to bed on the bus, but couldn't sleep. The show was, once again, plagued by keyboard problems, most notably during The Great Escape. I'm finding it's beginning to get to me. Tomorrow is being broadcast live, so I hope for once keyboards will work. Unfortunately, I can't imagine this to be the case. Prev and Alan seemed despondent afterwards. Went back to the Metropole to shower, chatted to John and Nada, record company girl, and went to bed. And we're back. And, uh, and there's only one question I need to ask this week. You went out to buy Dubbin. I did. And Vaseline. <laughs> and, and any number of lubricants. So, do you know, I can tell you why. I've no idea why I went out to buy Vaseline, but I, but I know why I went out to buy Dubbin because I'd got these boots um, that I bought in Covent Garden that were that were really quite cool, and they were a really funny shade of brownie green. And I'm colour blind in the brown green area, so I never knew whether they were green or brown. Um, and I never quite worked it out. But they were basically, um, I don't think the leather had been coloured. It was just sort of like raw leather. Um, and so instead of 
foot in polish on them, you rubbed up it into them like an old football. Um, and so that's what I'd gone out for. And that's the, that's the same pair of boots that the Italian fan scribbled all over in a Sharpie on the front row. Uh, Remember that story. <laughs> they were the same boots. I was so cross. After you, all that did... dubbing, some twat comes along with a Sharpie. <laughs> You did really well there because you could have said some Italian twat, but you didn't. You just said some twat, which is fine. No, That's might. absolutely fine. He might not have been an Italian twat. He might not he have been might Italian. He might have just been a twat who happened to be in Italy. <laughs> yes. The only thing we know about him was he was a twat and he had a Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> a twat with a Sharpie. Another good name for a band. Um, but so I think that's wonderful. I remember yeah. dubbing, dubbing yeah. from my youth. I think that, I, I'm so. Do you know what? I wouldn't even know if you could get dubbing now. You probably can't. You probably, yeah. I shouldn't imagine there's a lot of call for dubbing in the modern world. Actually, bearing in mind the question that Orin had for us in the Q and A this week, we ought to explain what dubbing is for anybody. Well, for anybody outside Yorkshire, probably. Um, but dubbing's it's it's for waterproofing, isn't it? Yes, and it doesn't have a G on the end. It is D U double D U. It's double D U. No, <laughs> it's D U double B I N. Full. That's it. No, so dubbing. <laughs> and <laughs> so I spent most of my young life thinking it was dubbing, for uh, you know, one word to dub. Yes. I've just been dubbing yes. my football. <laughs> If you've um, applied too much, you'd been overdubbing. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> We've all done a bit of overdubbing over the We've years. All, indeed. Um, We've for overdubbed. All, for all the good it's done us. But I don't know if that's a Yorkshire thing, whether it's dub, whether it was supposed to be dubbing and some Yorkshire man had r- reduced it to dubbing. Now then. <laughs> um, but it was like a, it was a, a leather... Um, maintenance, lubrication, something you'd rub into leather to, yeah, to um, make it preserve it, a preserver. Mm. And, and we're going back to the, polish. D- the days when, you know, a football was meant to last you and a pair of football boots were meant to last you. When a football would give you proper dementia if you edited it. Those yeah. days, you, Those you'd days. only have to edit once. Basically, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they took on water, didn't they? <laughs> and held on to that water for like, you know years. Yeah, they were like cannonballs. Weren't yeah, they, they were old footballs. They um, were. They were like cannonballs, and you gave them far more care and attention than you do now. Yeah, yeah. With your dubbing, and they weren't made by little boys in Pakistan who were no. earning a dollar a week. No. Uh, they were made by God knows who was making them. People like. Fred Dibner in Lancashire. Oh, yeah, they'll have been hand stitch. Hand stitching them with massive yeah. biceps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you, but you don't remember why you were buying Vaseline? No, it could have been chapped lips. You're right. Not jogger's nipple then. It, um... <laughs> if you've never had jogger's nipple, oh dear, it's the worst. We have met, haven't we, Anthony? <laughs> Jogger's nipple, do me a favour. <laughs> My nipples have enjoyed a number of trials and tribulations over the years. Jogging hasn't been one of them. <laughs> For the last time, your nipples will not... That's it now. The only episode your nipples will thrust their way into. 
Anyway, we'll get back from dubbing mm. and Vaseline and lip balm. You, though you put lip salve. I did, yes. Can't, that can't have been what the Vaseline was for. Did I ever no. tell you the story about the QI jelly and the hair? I must have done. No. Well, I, want, so I had a hairdresser years ago and he told me that, you know, I said, how can I get a really slick back look for my hair? And he said, QY jelly's actually very good for that. Right. It's Do you mean QY? KY. Right, because QY is your little sequencer, isn't it? KY jelly, exactly. Right. So I went, I went off to Boots and bought some KY jelly, popped it in the bonnet. Fantastic. Went on stage, did a kind of Brian Ferry-esque run of fingers through hair, and then tried to play the black notes on the piano. Yeah. Fucking impossible. Just totally... <laughs> <laughs> so that was the end of that. <laughs> oh, dear. Try and play the piano with it, with it. With a, a, a modest dab of KY jelly on your fingers. It's a very interesting process. I don't think there's any place better to leave TCD for 2020 than that on that story. All true. I think we've, I think we've summed up 35 episodes <laughs> of the Corona Diaries in that particular story. Yes. <laughs> Never try and play a musical instrument with a sex aid. Top tip. <laughs> Top tip. And there we have it. If you've learnt nothing else, <laughs> and you probably haven't learnt anything else, <laughs> but if you've learnt nothing else from DCD, that's it. Right, I'll see you on Saturday. Oh, my giddy aunt. Yes. Look, see what I did there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, wasn't, it was an accident. It wasn't deliberate. Well, yes. Uh, you'll be the one. Uh, you'll be the one trying to peer peer through four million baubles t- t- in a <laughs> car, won't you? I will. It's just a, a face pressed pressed against a windscreen. <laughs> I will. I have to. I have to tell <laughs> you, a thousand baubles pressed to the glass. I have to tell you, one arrived yesterday, and it, and it fair took my breath away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can imagine. Well, I can't imagine, but. Yeah, you're in for a ride, I think. I am in for a I'm in for a ride. I'm in for a ride. Right, well I'll see you I'll see you Saturday. And congratulations on a year's worth of all or you know, two thousand twenties TCDs. Thank you. I think we should congratulate anybody who got through this year, however <laughs> they got through it. Well yeah, done, I agree. all of you. Yeah, well yeah, absolutely. Stay absolutely. off the roof. Yeah. Or if you're on the roof, stay on the roof. Stay on the roof. And climb back in through the window. Lisa Schofield Thank you for being purple Tony Marshall 
you for your support, Michael Hartley. Cheers for coming on board. Thank you, Sally Bill. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. May your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Have you? Self a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. For here we as in olden days, happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who are dear to us, gather near to us once more. Through the years we If the fates allow, hang that shining star upon the highest bough, and have yourself a merry little Christmas. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>